0: Hello my lovelies, you are now listening to The Vow, Voice of Women. The intention of this podcast is to empower women through sharing of real life stories. We have a fab lineup of inspiring, kick-ass, real, dedicated women. We're going to get down and dirty. What has made these women successful? What makes them tick? How do they handle conflict? And what might they eat in a day? So here we go. Welcome.
1: Hi, thank you so much, Tanya, for having me over. I like it, I'm truly humbled.
0: Oh, I'm so, well, I'm, I'm humbled that you're here. You are running for public office, which we're gonna get into in a moment, mm. and uh, so your schedule is whew, mind-blowing right now. So, Humaira Falik is a program coordinator at Action Dignity, formerly known as Ethno-Cultural Council of Calgary, which was publicly launched in March uh, of 2002, a day before the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. Nine ethnocultural organizations and several individuals joined in as initial members together with individual leaders. It then registered as an Alberta Society on December 16, 2002, and registered as a charitable organization in October of 2012. So, Humera, um, we're just going to hop right into it. And, Um, I'd like to actually start with your story before we start talking about action dignity. And I watched a video of where you stated that you started from scratch and I know you're originally from Pakistan. You were born there. You, uh, lived in Saudi for five years and then moved to Calgary. I think it was, you said in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about starting from scratch.
1: So for sure. Yeah. So I was actually in a, in a very abusive relationship for like five years. Um, and for me, like, um, for so many reasons that I could not get out of that relationship because of the, you know, the cultural barriers and also the stigma attached to you know, being a single parent and the divorce and all of that, and also, like, because the pressure is always on you to make your marriage work, in our part of the world, so that was one of the main reasons, um, along with that, you know, you would love your, you know, I love my partner as well, so, yeah, so it took me, like, five years uh, uh, to finally decide that I'm going to come out of that, but when I did, I had no family in Canada, no support whatsoever, um, because I was not really Exposed to the outside world in those five years. So I had no idea about anything like how the system works here with the like with the court system and all of that So I literally started uh, my life from scratch was like I was when I came to Canada when I decided to come out of here um, my situation I went to um, Higher River emergency shelter. So with nothing like with no support whatsoever not, no money like nothing I um, um, and then I was there for a month. And then I was a sheriff king for a month in Calgary. And then I was in transitional housing for a year. So, um, and then I just, when I was there, then I started to, you know, explore. And I s- decided to go back to school. I applied for student loan. I was like, it was it was a crazy time. Now I look back, I don't know, like, you know, I feel I've come a long way. But, but yeah, so literally when I say that, there is no exaggeration to it, like with nothing. When I left my house, I did not even have... You know enough clothes for myself for my kids so it was just me and my literally my girls when I left so wow
0: yeah. and how old were your girls at that time two and three wow
1: they were yeah, just babies and, yeah, I,
0: mean. I can't imagine the fear that you had I mean I just picture myself in a foreign country yeah. where I don't know anyone I have no sphere of influence I have no friends or family I'm trying to flee an abusive relationship like Ah that must have been a really difficult time in your life.
1: Of course yeah but you know there was one thing still at the back of my mind that you know maybe this is where at least i will have a voice you know because the country that i was coming from i know that you know i did not have any voice there right so maybe somebody would listen to what i have to say right and and honestly at that point in time i wasn't in a in a in in that state of mind where i was thinking that i would you know, maybe leave for good or something. Like, no, I just wanted to do it because I was, like, so depressed and I wouldn't lie to you because it was like a, I was heading towards, you know, a, a, like I had this very strong suicidal ideation because of, you know, constant abuse that was happening to me. So that time when uh, my friend called police, it was... I had no idea what was going to happen, right? Except that I just wanted to get out of that place. I didn't want to be around that person or his family. So, and I, did, I had no idea what the future would look like if I would be allowed to stay here, if I had to go back. As I said, I did not lo- know the, the the laws before. So, yeah, so it was, yes, it was very tough. It was very emotional, but I was very numb when I got out of that house at that time, right? So it took me a while to process that and then, you know, to be able to, so I, I'm extremely grateful for the support that I got during the time from the counselors who were at the shelter even though those you know first respondent like the police officers and you know so I feel sometimes that I was lucky because even with when my with my first interaction with the courthouse I did not have a lawyer so it was me talking to the judge directly um, uh, which again I don't know how it happened but you know the judge was very considerate you know all of that so yeah it was it was not easy for sure yes Yeah.
0: Wow. Uh, Well, it sounds like you've turned your pain and your experience and your journey into helping others. Mm -hmm. And so let's chat about Action Dignity. Um, You know, what is Action Dignity and what resources do they do they provide for families and kids?
1: Uh, For sure. So Action Dignity, as you already uh, talked in your introduction, it's basically it's a platform organization. So what we do is like we bridge the gap between ethnocultural communities and the mainstream service providers and do a lot of work around capacity building and empowerment of disadvantaged or ethnocultural communities in Calgary. So we do not really directly, we do not provide direct services, but we work in collaboration with other agencies, uh, making sure that, you know, ethnocultural communities feel included and they have that voice that, you know, that's needed to bring that uh, change uh, that they want in their community. So we do, um, we have a lot of initiatives uh, in place. Uh, So right now we have this, anti-racism project going on which is in collaboration uh, with City of Calgary and Habitat Um, uh, so that's there we have this brave project where Um, It's essentially for essential workers, you know, like the COVID has how COVID negatively impacted essential workers, their mental and physical well-being and all of that. So it's centered on that. Uh, Then we have Lead for Change, which is uh, empowering community leaders and, you know, giving them those skills that are needed for advocacy or, you know, uh, leading their communities. Uh, then we have the social inclusion project that also I am part of. Uh, that's basically around anything and everything to make sure that ethnocultural communities feel included and they have the sense of belonging and they don't feel left out or, you know. So we have, under that, we have initiatives around domestic violence, mental health, unemployment, uh, you know, all of that. So, yeah, so these are the some basics that we are working on right now. Um, uh, yeah, so and for the kids and like so as I said like we do not really directly work with kids but for example like uh, the community there's so many community associations who who want to do like different projects for let's say we just recently had when they had uh, they wanted to do this uh, back-to-school program where they wanted to supply you know school supplies to kids with bags and all of that so we collaborated with those agencies we provided them with we connected them with other relevant agencies also helped them in raising funds and also uh, giving them space to where their, their communities could come uh, keeping in view covid protocols and then distribute those bags and supplies to the children right so we do facilitate uh, such projects by either helping them with funds or building the capacity of ways they could you know do those uh, initiatives in a proper way right so all of that yes
0: so you provide a lot of resources we do yes. a lot of
1: resources yes yeah. and where we can if because in some through some of our projects we do get some funding as well to uh, fund uh, these community action plans, uh, which maybe not may not be a lot of funding, but for example, we had this program called Rave uh, during COVID, where we were giving about like five thousand uh, uh, to each community group to help their community members with their you know essential needs. Uh, during COVID right so most of these organizations they are experts in providing culturally based uh, services to their community members so we want to make sure that they do it but they do it the proper way so we would help them anyway and every way uh, that you know that could happen yeah.
0: So I want to kind of circle back with your experience um, being an immigrant and, yeah. and moving to, to Canada and, and into Calgary and not necessarily from a statistic standpoint, but is it very common for women uh, coming here with their families, um, from whether you're from Africa or India or England, <laughs> but, you know, um, is it common for these women to be experiencing abuse because culturally it's looked upon differently in other countries? Like, it, it is, you know, it's not men aren't from what I understand criminally charged for abusing their women in some parts of India and Southeast Asia you know and so they come here and maybe feel that it's more acceptable or they can get away with it and then they find out they can't can you speak to that
1: Uh, for sure so first off I think we need to understand like you know that uh, the domestic violence is common all across right so uh, it's there, like if you look at the Calgary heat map, it's it's equally prevalent in all the quadrants, right? So when we, if you ever wanna categorize it that it happens in like this particular culture or particular religion, no, it's not true because it's there okay. even, it's, it, it happens regardless of your socioeconomic backgrounds, your education, it's there, right? Mm-hmm. Which is sad, of course, like it's 2021 and we're still talking about it. Uh, but with the immigrants, the problem is that, you know, like it's not that no culture would actually endorse it or no religion would actually endorse it, but of course, when you are struggling with bigger issues such as unemployment poverty um, you know issues like about the, the basic human existence right then these issues like domestic violence or mental health they take a back seat right mm-hmm. so certain things then get normalized with the passage yes. of time right so you do a new thing you accept them the way they are that maybe it's it's how it is. It's patriarchal culture, men are supposed to be taking decisions for you. So it becomes normalized with time. So whatever they do is right, right? So and then that becomes so deeply embedded in our minds that we accept it the way it is, right? So when, when people come here, obviously they have the same mindset, right? So also because integration journey is not easy, Tanya. Like, you know, you're coming you you may be a doctor back home, but here when you come your degrees are not credentials are not recognized, right? So you again you start from scratch where you have to maybe work Art jobs or you you just have to do anything to make sure that you know uh, you're making your ends meet and for that uh, families struggle a lot so it impacts their mental well-being as well right and that does contribute to domestic violence right so families then they go through this you know the breakdown and all of that so that does contribute as well right but yeah because and also because i i also feel that because it's, it's in some part of the world it's being normalized you do not know what abuse is because you know even for children like in our part of You know, we we, we could yell at kids, we could spank them as well, right? I was was raised like that, right? So for us, it could be normal, right? So if you're not familiar with the laws here in Canada, what actually abuse looks like and how do you wanna, you know, stick to those, Obviously, you you would only know when police is at your door because you have hit someone or you've abused your partner or your kid. Right. And then you would know, oh, so this is uh, we have broken the law here. Right. So these are the gaps here. Right. Uh, But 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 you're right. There's I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. My focus has always been on prevention because I truly, truly believe that we do not come to these countries to go through all of this like mm-hmm. family breakup and all we we've come here for a better future right so we need to have those system in, or those policies in place which could prevent uh, domestic uh, violence or abuse happening in our communities right yeah.
0: yeah well i again i'm just you know picturing you know coming from here or to here from saudi or pakistan and you know thinking you're going to have this beautiful life with your family mm-hmm. and it's going to be safer and then you still are feel endangered in a new country, in a home, and so how did you? Obviously, you you know you fled the marriage, you um, sought shelter, you sought help, and and then what did you do from an employment standpoint?
1: Yeah, so uh, because uh, I was, you know, like you you do get help from the government in terms of like um, uh, income support and all of that, right? And I was lucky enough as well because when my my case went to the court I did get child support as well so that did help me initially Um, but I was uh, I was in a school for a year um, uh, so I did completed my diploma and then I was lucky enough to find a job uh, right away because I was already volunteering with Calgary Seniors Resource Society so I did find a job uh, right away after that within a year Um, so yeah, for that, I think that was for me that worked really well, but not everybody again, I said, not everybody's like, yeah, I do. I do. I'm extremely grateful that I got that support that, you know, I needed at the point in time, like my, my counselor at the shelter, like she was, she was so supportive. Like she could come and check on me, you know, when like even during midnight. Right. So at that time, when you flee domestic violence or when you're going through that time, you need that support, like more than, you know, financial, you need that reassurance that it was not your fault. Because, you know, it's, it's very psychological as well, right? So you keep on blaming that maybe you could have done something better to you save it or, you know, all of that. So I think I was very lucky that my counselor and the social workers that I did interact with, they were very supportive and they did help me. Uh, become what I am today. Honestly, I could not. I wouldn't be sitting here if it was not for those people. So that's why I say like these services are so important. This first respondent, or the social workers, or the human service you know workers, are so important. And we need to have that. Those like people with different lens because she understood my cultural background. She understood. She was she was from Canadian back. Like she was she was a Caucasian, right? And we we. Uh, and, but she understood my cultural sensitivity, my barriers, and she worked with me. Uh, you know along those lines. And that helped me not only overcome those, but also establish myself in a proper way, right? So yes, financial barrier is actually one of the huge thing that also would um, for so many women to go back because they cannot they do not have those skills especially you know the immigrant women they do not have those skills where they could find good jobs to for for the, to raise their children and themselves you know to support themselves so that's also one of the reasons that we want to go back and stay with their partner because at least nothing else they have that financial security right mm. so yeah
0: so what are some of the initiatives that action dignity is currently working on and how can our audience get involved
1: around domestic abuse mm-hmm. yeah so for um uh, so we've been actually uh because i've been working with actual Dignity for the past three years and pre- and Totally around domestic violence was my focus, so we we did a lot of work around uh, creating awareness in different ethnocultural communities about domestic violence. We did collaborate with Calgary Emergency Shelter uh, and other agencies as well, um, uh, like ethnocultural agencies and mainstream to kind of bridge that gap. You know, uh, to see like what, uh, for example, with Calgary Emergency Shelter, uh, uh, we just we just piloted this program where we have translated their. Um, uh, you know existing uh, take a stand training into different languages and not only translated it but we also tweaked it in accordance with you know five identified uh, ethnocultural communities needs so that they could get the message and you know and the training is around basically capacity building of natural supporters because research supports that you know most of the domestic abuse uh, uh, victims or survivors would want to go to their natural supporters in the community to seek support uh, especially the immigrants they would not not going to professional agencies because of, you know, those barriers Mm -hmm. or that fear, right? So we we, we do a lot of work around capacity building of these natural supporters and community organizations to tackle domestic violence or to prevent domestic violence from happening um, using their own culturally, uh, you know, appropriate ways. Now, just recently, uh, we have launched, and I'm very proud of that because um, most of the research that was available before, it was it basically homogenized minorities' experiences when it comes to domestic violence, right? So it's either white experience or it's minorities' experience, which I really don't agree with because even within the minorities or the ethnocultural communities, there's so much diversity and differences. Yes. So we need to have that holistic lens or intersectional lens when we're dealing with these issues. So now we have, um, because I'm also the co-chair for Ethnocultural Working Group for Domestic Violence Collective, so we have launched this project where we are going to do community community consultations starting this October and uh, with again identified six, seven ethno-cultural community groups and we would really want to follow up on the previous consultations that took place in 2015 just to see where we are with the projects that were launched what was the outcome if people you know how people are feeling they would want things that worked things that did not work and what can we do better uh, to improve those uh, systems right and that's also at the mainstream level as well as the ethno-cultural communities level level, grassroots level as well. So yeah, so this is something people could totally get involved. They could volunteer with us. We have so many projects that we that we do. COVID has obviously changed that a bit for us um, because most of our activities now happen online. But we do have workshops around um, increasing awareness as how we can better respond to domestic violence victims or how can we refer them or the issues that matter to communities like the legal navigating of the legal system here in Canada. What are the rights You know of women here. You know all of that. So Mm -hmm. we do anything and everything. Uh, Recently, we did have. um, Sorry, I'm if I'm taking too long. Um, We had this um, a webinar with. Uh, Trellis around children and family services because people have uh, there are so many communities that they would want to apply to become foster parents for the kids of you know their own respective communities but then they do not know where to go and how to apply so we did that webinar Uh, we are in constantly uh, in touch with them just to see how we can make it easy for communities if they want to become. Uh, community members, if they want to become foster parents, right? So there's so many like gaps and barriers, but it's an ongoing work for of us. Of course, right? and
0: it, so, I like what you said. Like it's not one size fits all. Like yeah. you're you're really you've developed some programs yeah. for different ethno cultures based on their c- current needs. Okay. Because I again, I can only imagine going to another country and starting my life and being in an abusive marriage, but yeah. trying to, um, you know, maybe speak to people that are of the new culture and something i'm not used to i'd be probably more comfortable talking to somebody from my own country or someone who really Mm -hmm. understands our culture
1: um so but also like that's also you it could be you know i don't want to say this but it could be double-edged sword as well because sometimes you know when you focus too much on your own community or you know at the at the same you know level that you know, there could be some misinformation that could be spread, you know, within the community. They they could become more apprehensive of mainstream service providers mm-hmm. and all of that. And I do, we don't want that to happen, no, of right? Because not. there's some great services, great work that's being done, right? We wanna bridge that gap. We wanna we it's wanna a make sure it's exactly we yeah. wanna promote collaboration, yeah. right? Very important. So that yes. is what mostly Action Dignity initiatives do and I personally believe in collaboration a lot that we need to bridge those gaps mm-hmm. that exist, uh, you know. So Culturally, everybody feels yeah. that they're part of this yes. society, right? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So I, I, I kind of laugh when I'm going to ask you this question because I only have a, I have a very good feeling about what currently keeps you up at night right now. <laughs> yeah. But please, what keeps Humera up at night right now?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so these days, yes, it's the, uh, you know, I'm running for um, school board trustee for work five and ten. Uh, that is definitely that's keeping me (laughs) up because it's the only time when after I put my kids to bed i i answer my emails or i respond to you know some of the things that i cannot respond to during the day because i'm outdoor knocking or you know for making phone calls and meeting people so so yeah that's also you know the fear what's gonna come um the thing is that it's not the outcome that i am actually um more worried about because whatever it is it is Uh, it's mostly that you know the awareness that we are creating through our campaign around role of school board trustee because this is again something that one of the barriers that people did not know what school board school trustee do, and if they ever have any problem, uh, you know, how to access or reach out to um, their representatives. So through our campaign, we want to do this, making sure that people do feel included that they have say in the education system as well, and, you know, uh, government does take into account what we want. So all of that. So yes, that's that I'm pretty much reading on CB, how it works. Uh, yeah, so that's there. That's also, I'm also cooking and cleaning <laughs> with being a single parent. It's hard, right? So I want to make oh sure my, my kids are not neglected. So yeah, <laughs>
0: i can't is. imagine how yeah. crazy your yeah, life so is right now is... <laughs> so and I, again i'm laughing as i'm gonna ask you this question but what do you, what do you do in your spare time if you have like even 10 minutes a day like do you meditate pray walk run yes, read so... a book
1: yeah actually uh, before the election campaign i would go to gym pretty regularly that was my favorite thing to do but now yeah i do watch tv in all honesty like anything no, yeah. yeah just to I totally 10, mind yeah, release 10, like something minutes. mindless yeah. that you can to- i get it girl. i or i listen I to music it. like even if i'm cleaning yeah, the- yeah so yeah that i do
0: It's okay, I actually just watched The Bachelor in Paradise after a really hard day, and it was like the only thing I focused on, and it was like, I feel so much better. That's true, yeah, that's (laughs) right. So I love your honesty. Um, Humera. what have you vowed to yourself in life?
1: in all honesty um uh i just wanna i don't know like people sometimes they do tell me that i i've taken up a lot of things but you know i really want to keep on going uh it doesn't matter you know how i how i reach there but i know that i'm truly truly passionate about the work that i'm doing and i want to continue doing that i really want to see that change happening where you know people have a better understanding of that we do not we should not you know, like the, I know that elimination of domestic violence or, you know, mental health is just a dream. Right. But I still want to continue working towards the betterment of, uh, you know, the, the, the especially women is like it's very close to my heart. Right. Because uh, being a woman myself. But yeah, that's that's what it is that I really want to continue working. Anything and everything that could contribute to making someone's life better. Mm-hmm. I know it may sound a little bit, you know, uh, too bad, but, but that's true for me. No, because I know like I sincerely, that. I have been through a lot of bad times in my life. And now whatever I have, I really want to contribute to that, that you know, and whatever, of course. And on the personal and whatever it takes for to make my kids' life better. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to go through what I did. So, hope yeah, that's something that I want my kids to you know, have very healthy, solid relationships when they grow up. And I think I will be so happy if that happens. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I really want to do that for them.
0: Well, Humira, I'm sure you will, because listening to your story and your journey, it is one of resilience and survival. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sorry that you went through that time in your life. It sounds horrific and horrible. And to your point, I wish no woman would ever have to go through that. That's not Mm -hmm. the reality However, you took that pain and you've turned it into something really beautiful with you. what you're doing with Action Dignity, um, and I just commend you for that because you didn't need to take that direction, and you did, and um, yeah, you're just a shining light in our world right now. Thank
1: you so much. It means so much to no, me. No, you thank really you are. are.
0: So thank you, you know, so much for being here today, and again, I know you're so crazy busy, but you took time out, and I am really excited for our listeners to hear your story. So, Humera, we always like to spotlight a charity of choice, and I, I mean, you're, you know, really involved with Action Dignity, and, and uh, I think that that's a beautiful charity, and probably the one that you want to, you know, continue to bring to the spotlight.
1: Uh, for sure, yes, Action Unity, because the work is very different. It's, it's all around, uh, you know, capacity building and empowerment. So, yeah, totally. And I know that people in Action Unity, they truly care for the, you know, the work that they do. But also, like, there's one more yes. uh, I would really want to, because I work, I work very closely with Calgary Women's Emergency Shelter. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yes, that's another charity that's doing a lot. They have so many initiatives. And because I work with them and I know them, I, uh, so anybody who would want to contribute to them, I think that would be great. So for me, it would always be Action Dignity uh, uh, Calgary women Emergency like There are many, all, all, obviously, there are so many that are doing great work. But for for me, these two stand yes, uh, well, out. Well, thank yeah. you
0: so much for for sharing your story and your journey and being here today, Humera. And That's I awesome. wish you all the best. Thank in, you
1: so much, that, In yeah. the election. Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: enjoyed today's speaker we hope that they've inspired you made you think outside the box and given you some points that you can apply to your everyday lives please subscribe to our podcast rate us if there's any suggestions you can make or feedback we would love to hear from you thanks for tuning in